Welcome to The Band Hall, a Young Band Directors of Texas podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chelsea Frazier, and with me is Aaron Beaver, president of YBDT, a nonprofit organization for young band directors in Texas. We're here to talk about the ins and outs of teaching band, especially in the first few years of your career. Today I'm joined by Melinda Coleman, YBDT treasurer, to talk about the importance of solo and ensemble and chamber music in our band programs. Welcome to the band hall. Hi, Melinda. Hi, Aaron. I'm excited to be here. Oh, we're so so excited to have you. Um, I remember a few months ago when you you texted me about this topic that you kind of had in mind. I was really excited to have you on. Um, I'm so happy we actually get to do it. Yeah, and it's perfect for this time of year as well. Yeah, for sure. Definitely a good good time to have this conversation while we're all, you know, focused on yelling at kids about not practicing their solos. Yep, lots of <laughs> nagging. <laughs> so uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little about yourself? Yeah, so I am a high school band director in my third year of teaching. Um, I teach out in Lubbock, and um, in YBDT, I am... The treasurer. This is my second year on the exec team with YBDT, and I handle our whole financial side, um, building the budget, which funds the events that our regional and college teams put on. Um, and I'm also in charge of fundraising to provide for that budget, which includes um, actually the t-shirt sale that we're going to do in t- at TMEA here in a couple of weeks. I uh, organized that so come buy a t-shirt from us yeah for sure um and i think people will be excited to see our new t-shirt this year i don't know if we um should give out any spoilers but um i think people will be excited for it because it's a uh it's a past t-shirt design that has been very popular before so that's all i will say but yeah so uh melinda you're like the first treasurer in ybdt history right Yes, there was, it felt like the treasurer responsibilities were filled by other positions before I got there. Um, and so I'm sure it helps the organization to have one person who's responsible for it and keeping it all organized. Yeah, whenever we can like consolidate things like that, especially like the important stuff like the money, it's so much better. <laughs> and you have been like a true godsend for YBDT. I remember, you know, when you first got, um, you first came on the exec board like it was immediate how much more organized everything was just because you came in and took it over and took charge and we're all just so grateful that you are on the exec board and a part of ybdt so thank you for being with us well it's fun i love the numbers stuff i feel like in a couple of those early meetings or sometimes when we're doing a big budget report, I just come up with like, here are all the numbers. Here are three different ways we can do it with price breakdowns. Um, and, I, and I just look at the exec team and they're all like, yeah, whatever you think is best. <laughs> <laughs> but but I enjoy figuring out all the options and all the different ways to make it work. Yeah, for sure. And you always make it, you always make it so easy to understand. Like I am one of the worst math people on the planet. And, you know, your slideshows are always so concise and I always know exactly where the money's going. I know what we're spending it on. There's very little mm-hmm. embezzlement from what I understand and it's just great. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. I'm glad I'm making a difference. <laughs> For sure. 
Well, let's go ahead and uh, hop into our um, subject matter for the episode. Um, so we're talking about um, solo and ensemble and chamber music and and all of that good stuff. Um, this is the time of year when um, most schools are gearing up for solo and ensemble. And so we thought it would be a good time to kind of remind ourselves why we kind of go through this because it's such a a different aspect of the music educational experience and it can also be one of the more tedious aspects of our job yeah i really (laughs) feel that this year because it happens at the same time as we start prepping for uil Mm -hmm. Um, and this year in our region we moved up our uil contest by a few weeks so right now we're 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 running solo and ensemble and an early UIL, like almost concurrently. And I'm like, I don't want to think about solo and ensemble, uh, <laughs> even though it's still really important for our program. Oh man. When do you go to UIL? Uh, March 7th, right before spring break. Wow. Have you ever gone before spring break before? No, we used to be mid April. So this is legitimately five weeks earlier. That's crazy. Yeah. We go in mid April. I think ours is something crazy like april 14th or something like that and it's just i think that's too long um but also going february 7th or march 7th feels like not long enough (laughs) yeah yeah our kids definitely when we had it in mid-april it was hard to get them to that final push Mm -hmm. um, especially after we'd done pre-uil and there were still two more weeks right um, but yeah, the, with this before spring break, we're feeling the time crunch. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Well, and then having to kind of push the kids to to practice their solos and ensembles and stuff on top of that. That's just a whole nother layer of frustration, I'm sure. So one thing we're doing this year, because UIL is so early, um, we really cut down on the number of kids who are doing UIL solo and ensemble, which is the, the third weekend in February for us when it's always been. And so we're going to organize um, an in-house solo and ensemble in April. Mm-hmm. And that's when we're also going to put our chamber dinner. Last year, um, the chamber thing was in February, but we're moving it to April also um, so that kids um, can really gear up for it after spring break. Well, that's good. That's really smart. Yeah, we are kind of in the same boat. Um, our our UIL contest is really late, but um, our solo and ensemble contest is really early. Uh, we Our solo and ensemble is actually next weekend. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah, or I guess anybody who's listening to this episode it had it just happened last weekend i think this episode's coming out on uh january 30th so yeah the 28th is our solo and ensemble contest and so we had like three weeks to get the kids ready and it's it was kind of just a a crapshoot of a situation because um our deadline for entering kids was actually during the winter break. Oh my gosh. And so we, we ended up not sending very many groups or solos to solo and ensemble this year, um, which I think is kind of a bummer and something I hope we can, um, we can fix next year, but you know, 
having it so soon right after we get back from break when you know let's be honest kids have not been um practicing nearly as much as they probably should have or nearly as much as they said they have um (laughs) so you know getting them prepared for a class one solo to try and go to state just feels impossible yeah we had our kids who wanted to do the uil route um and try to push for state um, we made them turn in a pass off before winter break. Mm. Like we had them pick solos in mid November, so they and we, they had to prove that they could at least get through it. Uh, because the piano accompanist that we bring in to work with our students, like she's great, she really helps them learn it. But mm-hmm. we were like, it is on a tight schedule this year. You need to put in some work up front to show that you're you're really willing to try for it. Yeah, yeah, that's great. You gotta gotta get that commitment right there up front. So that's really cool. Um, well, I want to kind of chat about our specific solo and ensemble experience as, you know, we can think way back to when we were youngins um, playing our playing our instruments in high school and um, kind of reflect on that. So do you do you want to go first since you have a, a different perspective than most that might be listening to this podcast? Sure. Yeah, I'll share. So. I am a Texas band director now, but I actually grew up in Illinois, in the suburbs of Chicago. Um, Similar to the big metro areas in Texas, Mm -hmm. um, but I've noticed uh, a lot of cultural differences between how we do band um, up north in my high school experience and how we do it down here where I'm a teacher. Um, But for solo and ensemble specifically, well, not just for solo and ensemble, one of the big differences is that here in Texas, everything is governed by UIL. Mm-hmm. Like we're talking about how we're sending our kids to UIL solo and ensemble so they can go to state in May. Um, and of course, our UIL concert and sight reading festival. Um, and there is a comparable organization in Illinois, the Illinois High School Association or IHSA. But it's not as big of a deal in music, at least. Like these avenues do exist. There is an IHSA solo contest and there's a state track for that. But not, or from my perspective, not that many schools do it. Um, and when I was in high school, we just hosted an in-house one, mm-hmm. which was really convenient. You didn't have to drive across town. We did it on a school night. Um, maybe it was a huge pain for my directors to organize because they had to find the judges and Right. get them paid and everything. So I could see how from a director perspective, it might be nice to do the <laughs> UIL one. But but for us as kids, it was really convenient. Um, one of the other differences I noticed specifically for solo and ensemble is that the, the schools I've worked with in Texas, both uh, student teaching and as an actual teacher, like the directors were really committed to getting the students to do stuff like as i mentioned at my school right now we we have a piano accompanist that we bring in and she works with the kids and she makes her own schedule Um, but i definitely remember when i was in high school like we were responsible for finding our own piano player and setting up rehearsals with them and the directors put out a list of local people to contact Mm -hmm. um, but it was totally on the student to set up that connection and I felt very lucky that my clarinet private lesson teacher also played piano. And she was just like, oh, no, I accompany all my students and we can rehearse in your lessons and you don't have to pay me extra. Oh, and that's like, lucky. Sweet. That is, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good deal. Wow. So solo and ensemble for me was just a matter of course. Like 
in the, I don't know, November, December, my clarinet lesson teacher would say, okay, here's what you're playing this year. Start practicing it. I'll accompany you in your lessons. And it just, and it just happened. And then the event was at my school and I just showed up and played my thing and went home. Well, that's really cool. It's very convenient. Um, did you do multiple events at that solo ensemble or would you just go and play your solo? No, that's true. I did other events. So one of the things, because it was in-house and not structured as I could do a lot of things, like at UIL, you can only do two events or whatever mm -hmm. it is. Um, one year, my junior year, I definitely overreached because <laughs> I wanted to do a duet with my best friend who played flute. And we were doing a wind symphony clarinet ensemble. And then somebody else reached out and was like, do you want to do this woodwind quintet? And I was like, of course I do. <laughs> um, and that was that was not a good time. A lot my of my music. best friend and I, yeah, <laughs> got a well deserved second division rating oh, on that duet. No. <laughs> yeah. Are there any any particular pieces, solos or ensembles that stick out from when you were in high school? Like good or, or bad experiences? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so one that was really cool was my sophomore year I did a woodwind quintet and it was um, there weren't very many sophomores in the top band at my school, mm -hmm. and it happened that we, we could make a woodwind quintet out of them. We had a sophomore flute, oboe, I was the clarinet, oboe, or, uh, whatever, horn and bassoon. Mm -hmm. And so we got together and we played a couple of movements from um, La Cheminée de Raw-René, which is apparently a really legit piece of woodwind quintet okay. repertoire. Um, and we were... Um, I don't know, we made a very good high school attempt at it. But I remember that the judge was so excited, like, oh my gosh, you guys are only sophomores, you can keep playing year after year. This would be a really cool ensemble for you guys. Mm -hmm. um, and then the bassoon player quit band oh after my that, gosh. and we never did it again. <laughs> <laughs> but for that year, it was pretty cool. Well, that's cool. And I like the little humble brag of, oh, there weren't that many sophomores <laughs> in our top <laughs> ensemble, but I happen to be one of them. <laughs> <laughs> that's how we thought of ourselves at the time we oh thought we were i'm very sure cool. i'm sure i felt i felt the same way when i was when i was a young kid in the top ensemble you know you got you got an, you need that clout well and to be fair the band music that year definitely kicked my butt a little bit like it, it was a big step up well but it was fun. as it should you know it's it's top band music well um i'll, I'll speak a little on my um experience in solo ensemble I loved going to solo and ensemble when I was in high school. Um, I <laughs> I liked playing solos for one because as a tuba player, we rarely get the melody, and so actually being able to be like the star of the show was really um, was really important to me. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. in high school, I feel like I was a trumpet player stuck in a tuba player's body because I always wanted the, <laughs> I always wanted to be star of the show, <laughs> but well, solo and ensemble good for that exactly. And so I I always like tried my hardest on my solos. Um, my senior year, I played one of the pieces off the non memorized list, um, partially because. I wanted to challenge myself, of course, you know, as a as a senior going into music, you know, in college, I wanted to kind of push myself and see what I could do. But I also 
wanted to be very lazy and not memorize a solo. <laughs> so, <Right. laughs> um, and I played the, the tuba sonata by Thomas Beversdorf. And the reason I picked that piece was because his last name was Beversdorf and my last name is Beaver. So I thought it was super cool. <laughs> Sound musical reasoning. Exactly. Right but boy, did that piece kick my butt. Um, <laughs> I really enjoyed it and I, I ended up going to state on it and got like a, I think I got a two at state, but it was, it was a cool, which is not bad for state. Yeah. Yeah. I tell all my kids that a two at state is better than a one at regions all and ensemble. So yeah, for sure. you should always feel proud of that. Um, so I've got a funny story about that. My accompanist for that piece, which has a famously hard piano part was actually my wife's my current wife's mother um which is really cool yeah and it it was before uh my wife and i had met um but her mother is a just a phenomenal pianist and she's one of the best accompanists like in town and so um she was my state solo and ensemble accompanist like 10 years before my wife and i even met (laughs) So, wow, that's crazy. Right? That's kind of fun. Um, but I, I always loved doing solo and ensemble. Um, I really enjoy doing the small the, the small chamber ensembles. Um, it was fun to kind of get together with your friends and, you know, pull a piece of music and, like, work on it together, spend that time, you know, go to Whataburger afterwards and hang out. And yeah. You know, and take a trip to Austin at the end of the year. My freshman year, I was in a a brass sextet. We played the Earl of of Oxford's March. And we actually got a one at State Solon Ensemble. And yeah, and it was, it was, we peaked. It was the, (laughs) peaked early. But I can always brag about that. And then our judge was actually the legendary J.R. McIntyre. Um if you are a West Texan, uh, you probably have heard that name before, but <laughs> it was a it was a really cool experience. But I always loved getting to do that, like go to State Soul and Ensemble. We got to spend the night somewhere and have that really cool experience right before summer break. Yeah, that's definitely a fun trip to chaperone as a teacher. I did it for the first time last year because the kids who go are who wind up going to state solo ensemble are like your best behaved children generally or at least that was our case right. last year and so it, it was a, a and you don't take the whole band you're only taking a busload of kids mm-hmm. and so it was it was a low maintenance trip and the kids were obviously excited to be there with their friends and it was like you said a nice way to end the school year and um, transition into summer break mm-hmm. did y'all do y'all make a like a fun trip out of it y'all take them to do stuff when you're in the austin area we do. Um, last year, we took them to uh, Schlitterbahn, the water park, mm-hmm. and we, so funny, we had them vote on it, but also we as the director, it was between that and Six Flags Fiesta Texas, okay. and we as the directors really didn't want to go to Six Flags because we <laughs> thought it was going to be really hot All and right. just miserable standing in line. So when we had the kids vote, and then we said, and each of the directors gets a vote and we're in our staff meeting tallying the votes and we tipped the balance. <laughs> uh, but it's okay because everyone had fun at the water park. Yeah. Too. You got to sit in the lazy river all day, I'm sure. And 
Oh yeah. And hang out, chill in the sun. Um, yeah, when I was when I was in school, we always had the option to either we had we always took two buses full of kids, and we had the option to either go to Schlitterbahn or the outlet malls in San Marcos. And I always went to the outlet malls, <laughs> mostly because I wanted to be in air conditioning all day. I did not yes, want to be, you know, you know, it's like the beginning of June. I didn't want to be out in the sun and, you know, going from the West Texas dry to the, to the San Antonio yes. or the, to the Austin South, South Texas humidity is always miserable. So yes. I always wanted to be as inside as possible. One of the things that we discussed, not actually seriously discussed, um, but one of the directors last year pushed for us to stop by Bucky's on the oh. way out because there is no Bucky's in West Texas. Right. Um, I I sincerely think that I twenty needs one between uh, Lubbock and the DFW oh, Metroplex, yeah. and there's not. I think there's one um, going so, in Amarillo. Well, that that is unfortunately not between us <laughs> and Austin. <laughs> That's but true. But the problem with the Bucky's is it's like. It's, I don't know, it's on the wrong side of the city. It is not convenient uh, to go from Austin to um, back to Lubbock via Bucky's. It would be like <laughs> another hour out of our way. But So the poor kids are deprived of their chance for beaver oh, nuggets man. and massive gas station. Man, one day, one day. Yep. <laughs> well, um, I want to give you some room to talk about your um, chamber music program um that you guys have there um you mentioned it briefly uh, at the beginning but i want to kind of give you time to talk about everything regarding that yeah so this is something new that we tried last year at my school um and i actually have to start by saying that i totally borrowed slash stole this from the school where i student taught um Geyer High School in Denton uh, with Amy Woody, they'd been doing it for like 15 years when I was there mm -hmm. student teaching. And so I got to watch how they did it. Um, and then when I became a teacher, I stole it and decided it would be a good thing to teach my kids. So it's totally based on that. Um, but we, we wanted to offer the kids another performance opportunity um, especially for the younger, more inexperienced kids because sometimes going into um, going up with the, a judge, um, is a lot of pressure mm -hmm. for them or yeah, they don't want to learn a solo and they don't want to play by themselves. Um, so we put together, um, a chamber dinner and concert. And so it's in the commons, our cafeteria area, and we set up catering from a local catering business. So people come in and they eat and it's, it's this very casual background and obviously like it's supposed to be a concert. So they are listening, but it's kind of low stakes when you know that someone's eating pasta in the background. Right. And, um, also the cafeteria has, um, good acoustics. It's a lot more boomy. So mm. it hides a lot. Um, and it also makes you feel like you're in a fancy concert hall with all the reverb. So that's the idea of the event. Um, we sold tickets to cover the cost of the catering, but people didn't have to buy dinner to come. They could just come sit and listen also. I think that some of the kids who performed also got dinner. Um, so they'd like, they'd perform and then they'd go get their dinner ticket and sit and watch their friends. And it was a really cool event. And last year we timed it with solo and ensemble. It was like the week after. So mm -hmm. we got some kids who like only did the chamber dinner because they didn't want to play in front of a judge. 
Um, but we also, no, it was before solo and ensemble because we also got some kids who were going to solo and ensemble and I sold it to them as uh, like, Hey, performance practice. run yeah. before you go to contest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's really cool. That's such a cool idea. Um, you know, it's good for the kids. It gives the ones, the young kids like experience with that performance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it gives the, the ones that are going to solo and ensemble an opportunity to perform, you know, and somewhat higher stakes than actually being in the room with the judge. Right. You know, you're playing in front of all your peers and your parents probably. And yeah, that is true for some kids that might be more intimidating than playing for the judge. Yeah. And so, and, and you get to make like a little fundraiser out of it. That's so cool. One of the other things that's nice about it is that, um, because it's not UIL, you don't have to play off the PML so the kids Mm -hmm. can play whatever they want. And we also bought um, these flex ensemble books. We bought a set of flex quartets and a set of flex trios so that they could get together and be like, um, hey, me and my friend, I play clarinet and my friend plays flute and my friend plays saxophone. And there's not really a PML ensemble for that uh-huh. or a lot of like official written music. Right. Um, but they can they can grab these flexible trio books and pick one out and um, they can all play that together. And that found that worked. We had... All of those groups were from our sub non varsity band, and they just wanted to play with their friends. And I'm like, that's fine. You're still you're playing music in a small ensemble by yourselves. That's the goal. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, th- those books sound awesome. Um, I'm gonna need you to like send me a link to those. Yeah, I love them. Oh, that's so cool. Um, do you have any like visions of expanding this in the future? Now that you've kind of started it and are hoping to keep it running. Yeah, my hope is to get um, more more ensembles involved Mm -hmm. Uh, i mentioned that they they did it at geyer high school and they required all of their students to do an ensemble um, regardless of whether they were also doing a solo for solo and ensemble because they thought it was that important to get the kids uh, performing in a small group and i i do see the merit of that um because like starting a performance on your own without a conductor there to count you off mm-hmm. or even just rehearsing in a small group like those are totally different musical skills than practicing by yourself yeah. or sitting in a rehearsal when someone's telling you exactly what to practice mm-hmm. you have to figure out what to practice on your own yeah 100 percent. that's that's really cool and i could see it becoming like a like a big fundraiser kind of thing as well you know like doing a dinner and silent auction while you're listening to all this stuff and yeah, exactly. I, I would like it to become more of a band program-wide thing. Yeah. Most of the people who came last year like had kids in it, which is great. They, they were there to support their uh-huh. kids. I'm like, this is a cool thing. We should all come watch this. This would be a really fun event. Yeah, yeah. it has a really cool opportunity to be a like a community event as well, mm-hmm. which is, on your T-tests, community engagement. So we're, we're here, we're here to talk about T-test now. Uh, (laughs) gotcha. Um, but no, that's so cool. Um, oh, that's, I would love to start something like that. That is inspirational. I love it. Uh, can I add one more thing about organizing behind it? Yeah, of course. So one of the ways that we pulled this off is that we have, at least at my school, a really, um, robust set of, Oh, what's the word? Clinicians. Mm -hmm. 
Um, we don't have a strong private lesson culture at my school, but we bring in these clinicians um, in the fall to like teach the region music in master classes. Mm -hmm. um, and then we use them again in the spring for solo and ensemble. Um, so as we were setting up this chamber program last year, we got a list of all the ensembles and then we assigned them to coaches. Like we knew the trumpet guy came in every Wednesday um, and then these were the three ensembles that he was going to coach mm -hmm. every Wednesday. Um, so that definitely helped in that every ensemble had an adult watching over them, um, even though they were also supposed to be practicing on their own, but they still mm -hmm. got guidance on how to do ensemble things. Uh, so when I did this during student teaching, that was my job. I, I was supposed, mm -hmm. I was floating to all of the ensembles. Um, so they got a little less individual attention than the, the kids at my school where they've got weekly clinicians. Um, but I definitely think a helpful aspect of the chamber program in both of these um, circumstances was having an adult checking in on each chamber group um, and also teaching them some of the fundamentals of chamber music, like how to breathe to cue people in and stuff like that. Well, that's really cool. Yeah, it's really important to get them that kind of coaching. Sometimes I feel like we toss them in with a, you know, a quartet and say, why aren't you starting correctly? Or, you know, right. where's your pulse coming from? Why haven't you worked on that? But there's those are teachable skills that they have to, you know, acquire through us. Right. And when we're busy with, you know, score study and UIL sectionals yep. and stuff, it's kind of hard to, to remember that sometimes. Yep. So it's good to have those oh, coaches there. Also to teach them how to choose repertoire because mm -hmm. um, we, we let our kids loose in our solo and ensemble library. And then when they come show it to us, especially for ensembles, I like to remind them playing in an ensemble is hard enough by itself. Like there's more work there. You can't also be worrying about learning your part. So consider like if you feel like the your individual part for this ensemble is like the hardest thing or like at the top of your ability level mm -hmm. as an instrumentalist this probably isn't a good fit for you you should pick something easier so that you can focus on building ensemble skills and working as an ensemble and not worrying about how half the group doesn't have their notes down yet right yeah you really gotta gotta know thyself in that aspect <laughs> well awesome um yeah we we you talked about it a little bit when um when you were discussing your uh, experience growing up in the Chicago area, but I want to talk a little bit about having a in-house solo and ensemble versus yeah. a UIL one. Um, Cause we do the same thing. Actually we have a, oh. we, we send kids to UIL, uh, but we also have a, just a Floresville solo and ensemble that we put on usually in conjunction with our middle school um, oh. because you know we all we want our middle school to have our middle school kids to have that experience as well and it, we we feel like it's a good opportunity for our, usually our younger high school kids and like our second and third band kids to have that experience yeah. um so do you you said you guys are doing your own this year or it's just the no dinner? we are yeah yeah, we're doing, because um, they're, they're going to be both in April around the same time. Um, and this mm -hmm. is the first time since I've been a teacher that we're doing an in-house solo and ensemble. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how we set that up. I know our middle schools do one. Like, we've had a middle mm -hmm. school in-house solo and ensemble, so they're used to it. 
um, but we're going to have to hire our own judges. I think we're going to try to do it on a couple of different weeknights rather than trying to get people to give up a Saturday in April. Mm. Yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. <laughs> well, they they can be a pain to 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 organize. I I won't sugarcoat that for you, but um, <laughs> it is a good experience for the kids. Um, the deal for our kids is you can do um, one or both of UIL and or the um, the school solo and ensemble. Like if you go to uil and want practice like go to state you want practice on your ensemble you can play it there or if you want to play right. something different or try out a new solo you can play it at the the school solo and ensemble with lower stakes you know mm-hmm. um but if you don't go to uil you have to do the the local solo and ensemble contest yeah. and i kind of you know kind of just let my kids loose on it um I tell them they can play whatever they want. Like, literally no restrictions. The only rule is, like, you have to be able to find the music if it's something you really want to play. You know, like, if you want to play, you know, A Whole New World for bassoon, flute, and tuba, like, go for it. Um, But you have to either find or, you know, come to me and I'll help you find or arrange something for it. But... You know, they have to have the creativity to come up with that themselves or I can find something for them. You know, the kids are always like, oh, why don't we play anything cool or fun? The truth is, like, there is not a saxophone solo of Fetty Wap or whatever. Like, that just doesn't (laughs) exist. Like, I don't know what you want me to tell you, but I have this really cool solo that you might actually have fun with. And nine times out of ten, they'll be like... Oh, this was so cool. Why why couldn't I play this before? Because like, you wanted to play Fetty Wap. <laughs> <laughs> there is something to be said for letting them pick their own music. Because if it's like fun music and they want to practice it. When I was student teaching, I legitimately coached a trombone trio on, I think, the Me Channel theme. Like, it was oh, one of those yeah. wee uh-huh. uh, music things. Like, it, was a, it was an entire meme but they had to match style on it and they obviously had to play the right notes and rhythms for it to be recognizable. Mm-hmm. And they added like a cute little turnaround or something. And they like, they got a kick out of it. And I'm like, is there substantial musical merit to the piece of music? Not necessarily, De- but they, they learned. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they became better musicians. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a chance for them to explore their own creativity for one, which is always good. And it's something that should always be encouraged, you know, and it's stuff that they want to play. And so if they want to play it, they're going to practice it. Yeah. Last year I had a, um, I had a clarinet player who's like a third band level clarinet player. He wanted to play the Wii sports theme (laughs) and it's hard. He showed me, he like found like, he went on like Muse score and found like an arrangement of it and showed it to me. And I was like, that's tough, man. Are you sure you're going to be able to do it? It's like, I'm going to practice it. And he played it. <laughs> like it was, wow. you know, recognizable as the Wii Sports theme, you know? So if it's something that they are really into, like they're going to, they're going to do it. Yeah. So I think that's one of the, one of the merits of having a, local in-house kind of solo and ensemble contest you know you kind of you kind of pull those restrictions off of them the pml 
and really get them to like have fun as a musician which they don't often really get to do you know in the band program it's always very regimented you play what i tell you to play and so it's good for them to kind of run amok as it were (laughs) especially when it's scheduled during uil season because that is the season of thou shalt play what i tell you to play and we're having sectionals and we're drilling on this very serious band music it can be nice that they have something on the side that is their own that they can also practice yeah exactly and especially since it's you know let's be honest it's the season that the kids like the least you know they're all about marching season which is fine but (laughs) you know this is the time of year that they you know they become musicians they become more musical so that they can be good at marching band so and that's the whole point yeah exactly not sorry not not being good at marching band being the whole point but being better musicians (laughs) that's the whole point (laughs) well we we are in texas so some people may see it that way um one one last thing i'll i'll say before we kind of move on um last year um we ended up not having our local solo and ensemble contest through a various you know things so i opened it up to my band um we had a solo and ensemble contest um just within our band and i i said i made it like an actual contest and i gave out prizes i said we're gonna have um you know anybody who wants to play there's no pressure um you want to work something up you want to do a solo you want to do an ensemble i'll find you music um you play it in front of like the band as a contest and we'll vote and the winners will will get prizes i gave like first second and third prizes and i that was a lot of fun too um if if you are in a position where you can't have a contest like i just did it in my class and um the the person who got first place i gave them a gift card like a visa gift card so they could spend it wherever they wanted um and then second and third place i um told them i would get them a snack and and drink of their choice you know i would go to the corner store get them the biggest bag of doritos and mountain dew like whatever they wanted like i would get that for them and one one kid the kid who got second place asked for a watermelon (laughs) like a whole a whole watermelon oh my gosh are you sure that's what you want and he said yeah that's what i want i was like do you want to drink with that or something (laughs) nope i just want a watermelon (laughs) and so i went to heb and i got like the biggest watermelon i could find and i i i gave it to him during class and it was like the funniest thing you've ever seen like the kids thought it was hilarious and it's one of those like one of those moments you'll always remember as a teacher like the time you gave a kid a watermelon (laughs) well whatever motivates them to practice yeah exactly like it was it was just a lot of fun so i i would definitely recommend that for anybody who maybe you know you don't have time in your calendar for a solo and ensemble contest or you know it's not something that your your director might support you know putting that together like just 
take it into your own hands. Do it in your band class, you know. Do it at the end of the year after UIL. It it really gets the kids motivated and it, it you know, they they're always they always like to earn things. They like prizes. So just, you know, go for it. All right. So um, we're going to now transition into our work-life balance recommendations for this week. Um, would you like to go first, Melinda? Sure. So something non-musical that I've taken on this year. I haven't done a very good job of meeting non-band director people since I moved to Lubbock, mm-hmm. um, but I finally did this year. Um, and I am playing Dungeons & Dragons. I love It's that. my first ever campaign. Um also, when people ask who I'm playing with, like, literally, there was just a Facebook group called Dungeons and Dragons Lubbock, and I had commented on a post in it. Um, so when people ask me who I'm playing with, I'm like, random internet strangers, That's but in real life. awesome. Do y'all, do y'all yeah. meet up in person and play? We do. Oh, that's yeah. so cool. Yeah, because I know a couple people who play online, mm-hmm. but I'm like, isn't the whole point of D&D to, like roll the dice i was so excited when i went out and bought a set of dice and like i yeah i think that's the fun part of it i'm playing an elf wizard which i think is like the nerdiest D &D kind of or like i don't know a a very stereotypical combination but i really like it Uh, so far our campaign has been geared toward the like buff fighter types Mm. in our party but my dm promises that my nerdy elf wizard is going to get some action coming that's awesome what uh what level are you um i'm about to hit level four Um, we've been going kind of slowly okay we've been playing since the start of school that's so cool I, in a similar boat, I played my first ever campaign of D&D uh, recently. Our, um, our our campaign ended, our group kind of dissolved, which was really sad. Mm-hmm. But um, I played a wood elf cleric Ooh. and had a lot of fun with it. I ended up um, actually, we're getting really into the nerd stuff here. So um, <laughs> if it's not your thing, fast forward a little bit. Um <laughs> I ended up actually kind of like getting away from the cleric stuff and the character unintentionally, and I was I was known for um, hurling fireballs at the most inopportune times. But nice. <laughs> we had a lot of fun, um, and if you know if you're somebody who's always been marginally interested in playing Dungeons and Dragons, um, go for it. Um, you know, there's all there's tons of groups around that in your area i'm sure that play and even like ones that would welcome like very beginner players it it feels very intimidating to get into because there's a lot of like entry level stuff you have to like learn and figure out but it's a lot of fun to just get with people and you know be nerdy and role play and just yeah. like just do like cool stories so i think that's a super cool recommendation well my recommendation is kind of a simple one but i think it's really important um it's skincare um you know growing up as a young male in texas i was always you know um it was never cool to like think about your skin as a boy you know all the girls had all the all the lotions and perfumes and the makeups and oh, stuff yeah. and 
you know the guys have to be rugged and stuff but in this season of life that i'm i'm entering into and i'm now an old man in my 30s um i've started thinking more about you know my skin health um and i nothing like hardcore like i don't have serums or anything like that but like just having a simple like face lotion with spf has changed my world like my skin's softer i don't sunburn you know you see all these old man band directors that have leather um leather hides from not wearing sunscreen all those years of marching band <laughs> i want oh, yeah. i want to i want to be i want to be a, a clear-skinned uh girly when i get get into retirement age so you know i've started doing that you know i've got a good face wash now and you know it's it's been good for me i feel i feel rejuvenated and it feels good to actually like maintain you know maintain my skin in some form or fashion and if it makes you feel good about yourself like that that's a huge important part of work-life balance doing things that feel good for you yeah it really does so i totally recommend you know getting getting a face lotion i use the the nivea for men um it's like a sensitive skin one i don't particularly have sensitive skin but feels nice and light doesn't smell like anything um, it's affordable. So that's my recommendation. Skincare. <laughs> All right, Melinda, thank you so much for joining me. Um, I hope you enjoyed being on a podcast for the first time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always fun to talk about band stuff. Yeah, for sure. And well, hopefully you can come on again sometime and we can talk about more stuff and D&D and, and band. Yeah, I'd love to. Awesome. Thank you everyone for listening. This is The Band Hall, a YBDT podcast. Follow us on Instagram at YoungBandDirectorsTX and find more information about joining YBDT at our website, YoungBandDirectorsOfTexas.org. Until next time.